Vintage Rolex. Belongs to someone I used to work with. Is that the whole story, uh -huh. Clint? They've been out of the game a long time, but their identity still attached though. Probably not. Huh. Identity still attached. It would blow their cover. Goodbye, friend. They just in a Who is home? undercover that Clint is trying to protect? <laughs> I see one! Hey, hey, hey! There you are! There you are, my friend! There you surprise, are, my friend! Surprise, surprise! Oh my god. <gasps> you ain't gonna do it. You ain't She's gonna do it. She was in taking a the shot. movie. What? Oh, oh! Why would you <laughs> leave? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what? Weren't you here to do something? But that's cool, it's Yelena, all right, but why did you leave? <laughs> Welcome back to New Rockstars. This week's episode of Hawkeye only left us with more questions and a hankering for snickerdoodles, but what besides Jack's involvement with the tracksuits is Eleanor hiding? How is Clint going to convince Natasha's super spy's sister that he's not at fault for her death in time for the holidays? But most importantly, who does that watch belong to? Why is Hawkeye protecting them? Why can Laura Barton speak German? What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> this is Inside Marvel, our after show for Marvel's Hawkeye on Disney Plus. We just watched episode four. I'm Eric Voss. I'm here with MT. Thoughts, MT? Dude, we got Yelena. It's uh, she was rumored or like confirmed for the show for a while. We were wondering where she was, and there she is, wearing her Splinter Cell gear and everything. I'm so excited. That's right. <laughs> Yes, we got Yelena. We did not get answers, though. But that's why this after show exists, so that we can mm -hmm. just kind of reach toward answers and throw out a bunch of different options that most of which probably won't be the case. But we're here all together working through this show, looking ahead to these next uh, final two episodes, which I think the series is starting to shape, take shape. Like, uh, pieces are falling into place. Yes, yes, of course. All right, so Partners Am I Right begins with uh, Jack and Clint. From what we can tell, no discernible history between them, unless yeah. they're like hiding something. That would be know. weird. It, it just <laughs> it's seems, like we're just not talking yeah. to each other, but we'll just pretend like we don't know each other. That'd be weird. Jack <laughs> just seemed like the happiest, living his best life, tea he, sipping. I uh, love this character. He just seems like he's he's just here for the ride. He's like, I'm just here to have fun and collect swords. I love it. <laughs> here to make friends. But they're able to talk their way out of Eleanor's suspicion. Uh, and then Clint snatches back that Ronin sword and he tells Eleanor that he will not back down, but he'll keep mm. Kate safe. And Eleanor's like, uh, okay, great. I'm going to put a hit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, I'm just gonna have to kill you now. But at least uh, my daughter won't be around, probably. <laughs> One of the more interesting moments was when Laura alerts Clint that Jack Duquesne is the CEO of Sloan Limited and that he is funneling money to someone that he just called the big guy. So it still sounds like there's someone above Jack Duquesne. Mm -hmm. um, but we, we'll, we'll see exactly how that comes together. And then uh, Laura asks, in German about the Avengers compound watch, mm. what do the kids think was happening in that moment when she started speaking German? Like, uh oh, mom's on the phone with her alt-right friends again. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kate celebrates the holidays with Clint, one of the more endearing moments of the episode, you know, when they've learned how to flick coins to kill people and almost hurt the pizza dog. <laughs> ah, we must protect this dog. My favorite Christmas activity. <laughs> And then uh, Kate deduces, as we suspected that she would, that Clint is indeed the Ronin. Mm. Uh, meanwhile, Laura is tracking the watch 
to a, a, a residence that we later find out is the home of Maya Lopez. Right. Kate finds a list of Clint's family there, mm. suggesting that Maya may have gotten that information from the watch somehow, or that Maya and Yelena may be working together. Mm. Uh, but then bo- it turns into this big rooftop brawl, uh, this super secret assassin with her night vision goggles, with her very super ineffective widow's bite, is Yelena Belova. <laughs> Why did the widow's bite just like Maya Lopez was able to just kind of pull it off? Clint was like, ah, my neck. All right, fine. They were not supposed to paralyze you. We've seen yeah. the widow's bite work before or knock people on their asses and they did not get back up. Hmm. I feel like this, it probably has to do with them probably being exposed to the widow's bite before um, and just being used to it. They have it's a like... resistance to electricity? <laughs> well, like maybe not what? electricity, but like, you know how some people can like, you know, resist tasers? I just feel like if you're if you're used to the sensation, then you just know like, all right, if I just pull this off, then like it'll stop. I guess I don't know. Oh um, my god, I I mean, my thinking is that it's it's you know Avengers souped up widow's bite versus Red Room tech, and the Red Room tech mm. just doesn't have the same kind of effectiveness that an Avengers version of it does. I don't know, I don't know. Mm. Um, but we're gonna discuss why Elena was brought into this. But first. Who does that watch belong to? Could it be that we don't know everything about Laura Barton? MT and I are going to break down the evidence, give you our theories about the possible owner of that Rolex and what that tells us about where the MCU is going next. Mm. A couple thoughts on that. First, our merch partners at the Epic Heroes Shop have a new latest obsession shirt inspired by Hawkeye. You can get it at newrockstarsmerch.com. It's a limited edition shirt that you can get in black, white, or, of course, purple. And when you get this shirt, you'll get the added option to write in a custom shout-out that will appear at the bottom of these Hawkeye after shows. Stacy says, prediction, Jack is pursuing Eleanor because she killed Derek. He wants to push Kate away to protect her. That's an interesting thought. Mm. I mean, who knows? Jack might actually be a, a good guy in this show. Oh, I definitely. He's, he's a double switcheroo. He could just be a nice guy swordsman who is uh, working for the government. Maybe he's just investigating this criminal. <laughs> he's going to be like Mr. Green and Clue and all the FBI is going to come swarming in. Yes. Let's see. Zachary says uh, the Black Widow, Yelena, in credit scene, if Echo is a former Black Widow, could she be the one to help Clint? This is something that you theorized about, MT, that, uh, that yeah. Echo, Maya Lopez, could be a former Black Widow agent. Yeah. No, I don't that would be the case based off what we learned about Echo in episode three, though. Yeah, exactly. Like, now that we know more about Echo's past, we know, like, where she got her, you know, fighting ability. I don't think she's part of the Red Room anymore. She's just a girl that just knows how to kick ass. So, um, yeah, we don't really know what was going on in her adolescent age between Mm. being a little kid. This is true. (laughs) Michael asks, so what are the chances of Eleanor actually being Madame Mask? I think pretty Mm. good. Or just what the purpose that, that Madame Mask served in. The comics, I think Eleanor could serve this purpose on the show. Mm. I don't know if they're going to call her Madame Mask per se, but mm. I, I think the chances are more likely than not. I, I just feel like her character is like kind of wearing a mask um, in itself because she's always being fake. I just feel like she's a fake person at all times. So yeah. like, I just feel like they might be setting it up that way. Um, slowly, yeah. Um, with her personality, but who knows? I don't know. Maybe yeah. it could, could happen. All right, MT. What's our um, leading question coming out of this episode? Well, Eric, we gotta ask: Who the hawk does the watch belong to? Because everyone's talking about it. It can. I guess Everyone? it's like a transmitter of some sort. What, what's going on here? It's got a transmitter in it. Well, I think the answer is simply. 
Clint's wife, Laura Barton, and Linda Cardellini will soon be revealed as ex-Shield operative codename Mockingbird. Good night, everyone. Bye-bye. Ooh, that would be nice. I like to give those uh, <laughs> short answer options just to right. give people a chance to click away. <laughs> Don't click away. We want. We need that watch time. Uh, well, let's let's look at what happened this episode. So, mm. Laura Barton is to me the most interesting character to come out of this episode. She's revealed mm. to be multilingual. She can speak German um, and has this kind of like pig Latin that she uses it for with Clint. Clint just responds in English. So what was the point? Like the kids know something is up when mom starts speaking German. Um, And I think it's more interesting, this new element to the relationship between her and Clint, that not only is she just his partner, she's not just, uh, you know, the mother of his kids and his wife and his spouse, that she's also like his uh, espionage research partner Mm. that he tells her to look up Sloan Limited. And she basically gets all the answers about it. You know, she's not yeah. just the, the the person in the chair. She finds out everything you could possibly know. Right. I don't know what Google.com she, she's using, but let, let me know what right. that is, because that's, that's got a lot of information. <laughs> like, they, she was able to find out that Jack Duquesne is ahead of it. She basically turned someone in that operation uh, from her living room during Christmas time, Damn. was able to get someone in the tracksuit organization to flip. And uh, spill the beans about Jack Duquesne, which is a huge secret that they're trying to keep from Kate. You know, and they know Kate is investigating. Moms know how to multitask. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Uh, and like in episode two, there was that you know way that when Clint was in the locker room, she's like, "Oh, catching relays." That was an old Natasha Romanov move. It just seems Mm. like now we're seeing that Laura and Clint and Natasha kind of were equals as uh, espionage figures. And that's why Laura had this respect for Clint and Natasha and never worried that there was any kind of romantic chemistry between them. Uh, And the reason why Natasha respected Laura and Clint, you know, it's just kind of a new, interesting way to see what they were all capable of and why they really connected with each other. She also knew a lot about this watch like she was really worried she's more worried than clint is about this watch getting out like she knows Mm. that it exists right like she knows the inventory of avengers compound which before the show is never something we would have thought laura barton ever would really care about um now she says in german uh anything else go missing from the compound clint goes you mean the rolex she goes no i don't think so wasn't it destroyed years ago and she's like well i thought so but uh you know i thought the same thing about your fancy outfit and he's like, I'll check the tr- signal from the transmitter. Uh, and then she later tracks it down to what is Maya Lopez's outfit. And then he says, as we saw in the opening clip, it belongs to someone I used to work with. They've been out of the game for a long time. Their identity is still attached to that watch. And he mm. says, it could blow their cover. Goodbye, friend. Now, I think the fact that she can speak German might tell us something, MT, because we know of the uh, Berlin-based Joint Counterterrorism Center building. That's where, in Civil War, Sharon Carter for S.H.I.E.L.D. worked there. Everett Ross of the CIA worked there. It's kind of where a bunch of different government agencies, um, not just United States government agencies, but Interpol, every spy agency in the world kind of works together here to to restrain and to investigate uh, criminals. But uh, the last time we saw this place was in Spider-Man Far From Home, where Nick Fury and Maria Hill Mm. were there. But also, that was not... Nick Fury and Maria Hill, those are scrolls. Mm. So I see two possibilities. If they are building something up with Laura Barton, with Linda Cardellini's character, yeah. um, I think she could be 
a former S.H.I.E.L.D. operative codenamed Mockingbird. Now, this would possibly be a retcon for Bobby Morse. Uh, mm. Mockingbird has been the longtime romantic uh, companion to Hawkeye in the comics, but I actually think they're going to, if they do this, uh, make Mockingbird kind of a title like Black Widow is and like we're going to see Hawkeye is, something that can be passed down, and that mm. maybe Laura Barton was the previous generation of the Mockingbird. She retired when she met Clint and wanted to start a family, so that was passed down to another Mockingbird, oh. Bobby Morse. Um, and then so that could explain Natasha and Clint's uh, friendship with her. But oh, more of a reach theory, and I'll admit this is a reach, but you just got to think, like, if they're talking about secret identities and they don't want it to get out there and Clint is like, goodbye friend, what kind of friend could he have that we still don't know about in the MCU that mm. this show seems to be setting up? Well, what are the big titles in 2022? We have... Moon Knight, we have She-Hulk, we have Miss right. Marvel, and we have Secret Invasion. Mm. Doesn't this kind of sound like... It, anytime you pitch Skrull as the possible answer to <laughs> the question, it always sounds stupid, right? Because you're like, really? It's just a green person? Until you see it. Until mm -hmm. the WandaVision post credit scene. Until mm -hmm. the Far From Home post credit scene. And suddenly it makes sense. Like... I kind of, I'm not saying Lord Barton is herself a scroll. She could still just be uh, an ex shield operative, but she could be someone who is the way Nick Fury has been protecting scrolls hidden in plain sight on earth. Like she could be the link to it. It kind of seems like somewhere on this watch might be a sort of like data chip or something like that, that mm -hmm. almost like the, the CIA asset list, right? And in this case it might be the scroll asset list and all the scrolls that are hidden uh, in different government agencies, in different corners of society, and that's why it's so important that this watch doesn't get out in the world. Yeah, I admit, Scrolls is a huge reach, and it feels stupid. I, I don't I think so, it. man. I don't because like I, I was actually gonna guess Scrolls myself because like it. You're yeah. right. I feel like you know back in the day, like if it was a year ago or the, or the year previous. Saying Skrulls, because, like, we know that Secret Evasion was so far off, it'd be like, all right, it's not Skrulls, because hey, we're not at Skrulls yet. Um, but, like, now that Secret Evasion is so close, like you said, I feel like it's not as much of a reach as we become more and more, um, you know, closer to Secret Evasion. So I, I think that this watch could be some type of alien communication, like, maybe with, with Talos. Because um, Talos is, you know, walking oh, around, doing yeah. his thing. Um, and so I wouldn't be surprised during the course of Clint's... Um, secret agenting um he, he meets um his wife and his wife is like listen man i'm a scroll and um this is just who i am and but i love you and i want to be with you and i want to be here and so maybe clint just knows that he married a scroll and he's just cool with it he's like you are who you are and it's, it's whatever and we gotta have half scroll half human children and it's fine yeah. <laughs> i th i think when we're, you know, looking ahead to something like Secret Invasion, we're going to start doing this a lot, looking at everyone in the MCU on who could mm -hmm. actually be a scroll, right? Absolutely. I think, as in the comics, they're going to more likely reveal as, oh, this person was a scroll the whole time, mm -hmm. the periphery characters. Mm -hmm. they, we might get one or two huge characters, like Rhodey or something Maria like that. Hill or but something. But I think everyone like else is going to, yeah, it's going to be uh, someone's partner. It's going to be someone's supporting character. Uh, you know, Ned or something. Like that. It's gonna be the, that type of tier. I'm not saying. Ned Imagine if Ned was a scroll. That'd be so funny. I would love that. Wild. Um, 
<laughs> so people like Laura Barton are the kind of suspects you want to keep your eye on in mm. terms of are they scrolls? But I think also like you don't have to be a scroll in disguise to be suspicious in the way mm. that Nick Fury and Maria Hill were not scrolls the whole time. They just had this relationship where they traded off with scrolls, whereas they were off on other missions. Soren and Talos replaced them on Earth to do other things so that they can multitask and be in multiple places at one time. Uh, I, I just think as the show like Secret Invasion is not a show about aliens. It's not a story about alien invaders. It's a story about espionage. It's a story mm. about distrust of your neighbor. And yeah. that's what makes it such a cool storyline, that component of who do you trust. Sure. So that seems to be the theme that is being set up with the questions around this watch. Mm. Uh, there is someone who is still undercover. In a world where everyone is spies, everyone is in deep cover... What kind of deep cover is Clint Barton worried about getting out there beyond that if it's not the fact that there are millions of scrolls hidden in uh, Earth society? Um, now, uh, it's just kind of hard right now to look ahead and point to any one answer of what this show is leading to in the final two episodes. Because coming out of episode three, it was like, okay, we're going to see more and more clues for Kingpin, right? Mm -hmm. This is going to be a Kingpin show. That's going to be the Agatha all along. That's going to be the he who remains revealed late in the show. Um, but in addition to a couple more clues pointing to Kingpin, we're getting Yelena Belova and Val in this show now. It seems like Val was the person who Eleanor called to put that hit on Clint. Uh, we'll talk about how Val and Yelena got involved in this uh, more later this episode. Um, but we're also getting this hint to whatever is going on with the owner of that watch. And I don't think it has anything to do with either Kingpin or Val. It seems mm. like it's a third completely different vector that this show is uh, is firing an arrow out on. So it's just kind of, it makes the show a bit at this point in the game, a little unclear what the next step is. Since like this whole mystery of the watch and like who belongs to it. Yeah. We're definitely in a place of like, it could be anyone essentially. Um, It could be literally any big, um, Marvel sure. gang leader, um, essentially. I'm now at a point where I'm not wondering what Marvel character would pr appreciate a Rolex watch and more <laughs> thinking of practically in the story um, what secret covert uh, characters are out there who need their secrecy protected still. That seems to be functionally the point of this watch. This now, I don't understand how you hide something on a Rolex watch and why would you put that on a Rolex watch, it tells me that there's some kind of story to it, you know? Mm. But, like, a Rolex is, like, a flashy piece of jewelry that might just get stolen by any mugger on the street. Why wouldn't you hide it in something more discreet? Like, it's like if you're, if you're hiding certain video files on your computer desktop, do you put it in cool videos folder? No, you put it in a... a <laughs> tax forms folder and you put that folder with another folder and that folder with another folder amateurs right That's so physically funny. where on a rolex do you hide a chip do you just like tape it to the bottom of the rolex and just like a little a micro sd card I, i'm just thinking what happened did they get like a pair of tweezers to extract this every day at 420 the chip pops out yeah, just so for 20. <laughs> Something super like, Specifically no. for 20, because you have to be high to, exactly. to exactly. think this is a good place to hide a chip. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, just uh, something that I was just thinking about just now, 
Uh, we brought up Skrulls earlier, but there is a chance that, you know, Laura could be a Kree. Because in the in the okay. Marvel Universe, there are pink-skinned Krees that just look like regular um, just white yeah, people. Like Jude Law. They look yeah, like Jude, Jude Law. Law. And so, you know, and they did mention a Kree uh, splinter cell in Far From Home, like a secret that's cell. right. So what if that's Clint's family? Like, what if it's, like, technically, like, oh, Whoa. that's a Kree cell. Um, but, you know, we're just going to leave it be. Whoa. You know? be I crazy. mean, what I would love in Secret Invasion, I don't know if they're going to do that. They may just make it a human versus, like, corrupt humans versus uh, non-corrupt scroll, and then other corrupt scroll ruining it for everybody. I think that's going to be the conflict of Secret Invasion. But, man, I would love it if Secret Invasion is, like, a shadow war between Kree and scroll on Earth mm. that no one knows is going on. But it's kind of like... Um, uh, Harry Potter, Deathly Hallows, right? You had your wizard war going on, oh, yeah. and then muggles were just caught in the crossfire. Like, why do trees keep exploding? I don't understand. <laughs> why is the wibbly wobbly collapsing? I don't understand hey, I, what's happening. It makes sense because the Cree Scroll War in the comics was essentially that. Like, they were just running amok right. and, like, sort of just putting their war on other people's turf, like, on Earth and stuff. So, like, we could see that. Yeah. Potentially. I just don't think the MCU has, uh, well, I guess they haven't really properly introduced the scrolls objectives because they, you know, mm. it was, all came from Captain Marvel uh, and mm. Captain Marvel just had so many other narrative priorities than really introducing the backdrop of the intergalactic conflict. Arguably, the MCU hasn't been able to really focus on that in anything. I mean, uh, James Gunn has done a lot in Guardians of the Galaxy to introduce the Kree and their conflict with Ronan, who's just like a separate zealot. Uh, and basically, it was all on Glenn Close to just explain, ah, Krees are assholes. You know? <laughs> from that, we got our sense of who the Kree are. Um, but yeah, I, I'm curious to see more of this uh, intergalactic uh, military narrative. You know, mm. I, I'd love to see you know, a Fellowship of the Ring prologue that just gives us a sense of who the different military commanders are, what the past wars were, like... Mm. Give me a whole series on that. Just give me a whole scene. Why wasn't uh, that, that in the Bishop Files? Why it was Bishop Security <laughs> Files? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get that's that's a huge budget, but you know what else was a huge budget sequence? Erishim explaining the origin of uh, of Earth <laughs> and Eternals. And I think most Marvel fans would be like, I'd rather know what happened between the Kree and the Scroll than Hi everybody, I'm Katie Segal. And I'm Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our new podcast called Pi, People, Influences, and Experiences. Yes, it's sort of the uh, get to know you at a deeper level, the who, what, when, where, and why you are, rather than what it is you do. Absolutely, we're not gonna talk too much about what people do, we just wanna know about their families, where they come from, you know, what shapes their parenting if they have kids, what shapes their marriages if they're married. We just wanna be really nosy. We wanna get in there. A deep dive into nature and nurture. And we started it because there are a lot of people that we don't know that we are curious about. Right. And I have no friends, so for me it's, you know. Try like, to get them out of the house. Listen to it on whatever you listen to. <laughs> Podcasts on yeah, podcast your, 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 your podcasting apparatus. Watch it on the YouTube. He's aging himself. How Arishem decided to supplant dinosaurs with humans. <laughs> hey, Who wants I to see like the lab before time? <laughs> with 
every I show. like that whole sequence. I just think most people kind of went over their heads. Uh, anyway, um, hey, what a great time to be alive, to have all these questions, to have the MCU expand in all these different Hell directions, yeah. and to have no freaking idea what's going to happen in episode five. Week by week Marvel releases are so good. So good. <laughs> it's such a cool way to experience this, because it's like heartbreaking sometimes. It's frustrating as hell to not mm. have all the answers, but to have like another, just to be able to look ahead six days from now and another uh, huge chunk of MCU lore is going to be in our lives. Mm-hmm. Like, I much prefer that. Uh, plus, we also get movies. It's not like it replaces movies. And it's there's great. no bigger chunk of MCU lore than the Kingpin. He's a big chunk That's of MCU lore. <laughs> right. The biggest chunk. The biggest uh, chunk. Well, we'll get is. to him. We're going to talk more about Yelena and Val and Jack, all these characters. But first, Mac Weldon is one of our sponsors this episode, and we thank them. With the holidays here, you might be asking yourself, mm, what do I wear to a non-ugly sweater party? Well, <laughs> Mac Weldon has the answer. Whether it's an office party, a party with family and friends, or just a holiday TV binge session, Mac Weldon has all the essentials to keep you stylish and comfortable throughout the season. Their innovative daily wear system takes the hard work out of outfit planning with pieces designed to work together for any occasion. Mack Weldon's Ace Sweatshirts and Sweatpants and Warm Knit Collection are perfect for your holiday routine and for gifts. They're super comfortable for any activity and make for a very thoughtful gift. And when I say comfortable, I mean it. They feel <laughs> incredible on your body. They look sharp. And Mack Weldon's Warm Knit Collections features shirts, vests, pajama pants, and more to keep the chill at bay on cold days. This holiday season, every guy deserves to wear unforgettable clothes that he loves for the moment with loved ones that he'll never forget. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com slash Marvel and enter the promo code Marvel. That's MacWeldon.com slash Marvel, promo code Marvel for 20% off MacWeldon. Get it right this holiday season. Also, thanks to Blue Chew for sponsoring this episode. Guys, there's nothing sexier than confidence and Blue Chew can help give you the confidence where it counts. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready for whenever an opportunity arises the process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. But the best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. BlueChew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. So if you could benefit from some extra confidence when it's time to perform, BlueChew can help. We've got a special deal for our listeners. Try BlueChew free when you use our promo code InsideMarvel at checkout. Just pay the $5 in shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code InsideMarvel to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information and we thank bluetooth for sponsoring the show uh also we want to thank aura frames for sponsoring this episode all your loved ones really want for the holidays is to see you if schedules or distance get in the way of getting together make their wish come true with an aura smart frame thoughtfully crafted and easy to set up an aura frame keeps you close to the people who matter most making it easy to share photos and now video too from anywhere around the world using the aura app no wonder oprah added it to her favorite things for a third year in 2021 it's easy to preload photos and you can even reach out to other family members to contribute. Aunt Mary is always taking her photos and you can finally put them to good use. Beautifully <laughs> wrapped and ready to gift, any aura frame can be personalized with cherished memories and delivered right to their door for an easy last minute gift that will warm their heart and help you stay connected all year long. Last year, aura frames completely sold out, so don't wait. Visit AuraFrames.com and get gifting now. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code MARVEL to take 
$30 off Aura's best-selling digital picture frames. And thank you to Shudder for sponsoring this episode. Scary movies are always in season, and with Shudder, you can stream great thrillers, horror, and suspense for $5.99 a month. Shudder is a Netflix of horror and has the largest, fastest-growing curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment. Stream on all your favorite devices. They have a lot of exclusive content, including some really great documentary series like Cursed Films and Behind the Monsters and a horror-themed drag competition series. And they've got a ton of new Rockstar staff favorites, including Train to Busan. I love that film so, so much. So good! They also have Halloween, Day of the Dead, all your favorite horror movies. And they've got some new stuff, the classics and foreign films, you name it, everything. And you won't run out of interesting things to watch. So get started streaming the best horror, thriller, and supernatural content. Shudder's expertly curated collection includes must-see titles like Vicious Fun, The Mortuary Collection, and PG Psycho Goreman, plus all the best horror documentaries and the hit Creep Show TV series from executive producer Greg Nicotero of The Walking Dead. So to try Shudder for free for 30 days, go to Shudder.com and use the promo code MARVEL. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com and promo code MARVEL for 30 days free. All right, MT, why the hawk was Yelena hired to kill Clint Barton? Could mm. Eleanor also be working with Val. I think there's a good chance there. I think that um, Eleanor and Val could be in links together. And I think this is a wild theory. This is a bit of a rogue theory, but I've been saying it for a while. I really just think the Intelligentsia is in play. If For those who don't know the who the Intelligentsia is, they're this group of like super smart supervillains in Marvel that uh, assemble to like sort of like manipulate things in the shadows and like, you know, uh, try to change the world in, in their, with their smart way. And they were teased in Age of Ultron with uh, Claw. There's a little piece of paper that's like, and Claw mm, worked with the right. Intelligentsia. Um, and yeah. so I think that we're finally seeing who the Intelligentsia is in the MCU. And um, they're just trying to get rid of Clint for his involvement as Ronin and like, you know, getting involved with all these um, criminal organizations and ruining their plans that they were um, carefully um, planning in the shadows. Um, so this is probably an extension of that, I feel. And like Eleanor's powerful friends are these Intelligentsia people um, of just evil Smart people, um, and which is like you know, your Modoc. I think Egghead eventually, Val, um, Zemo, maybe down the line he's super smart, so they might recruit him. Val seemed pretty impressed with Zemo by the end of Falcon Winter Soldier, um, so I think that this is like the secret group in the shadows working here. But what do you think? I mean, other than Modoc, that group sounds lame. <laughs> like, I know <laughs> there's about, other people. I just I'm blanking on Elias Star coming back, <laughs> um, but. I don't want there to be like a specter of the Marvel universe with just like the lamest uh, villains that they can get to come back. Like if the intelligentsia comes into the fold, I think Doom I might be in it too, dude. Cool, right? If it's Doom, if it's Modok, yeah. Now I'm interested. But like Vera Farmiga playing a version of Madame Mask, eh, like fine. I but I think what this tells us is I don't think you're you're wrong in that there is some kind of um. There's a text chain between bad actors <laughs> and the MCU, at the very least. And I think what this tells us is that the reason that Val gave to Yelena to target Clint, that, oh, wouldn't you like a shot at the person who's responsible for your sister's death, that may be the reason that Val told Yelena to motivate her, but I don't mm. think that is uh, Val's reason to want Clint Barton dead. I mm. think she may have her own reasons. And now it asks, it forces us to ask, when did that Black Widow post-credit scene take place? They deliberately showed it in colder weather. And I am wondering if that scene could have taken place during episode four of Hawkeye. 
And then so Val then made the decision based off of uh, Eleanor's request to put the hit out on Clint Barton and turn to her deadliest assassin. Deadliest in quotes because she has a widow's bite that is shitty. That does not work <laughs> at all. More like a widow's nibble, really. Not really a bite. <laughs> <laughs> widow nibble. But um, yeah, I, I think that it tells us something about Val. I think we already kind of suspected that Val had some corrupt intentions. The fact that she wants to work with John Walker... Uh, the fact that she seems so shady in the way that she approaches oh uh, Yelena. Bro, do you think we'll great. see John Walker in this? I don't, I think we'll figure out more about what John Walker is a part of. Like, I yeah. think by the end of this show, we may get some hint that uh, we may hear the word Thunderbolts or something like that. You know, I hope so. I, I don't I know mean, what word they're going to use, but there's going to be something to where some vague noun common noun is used and then on inside marvel will be like she's talking about the dark avengers or she's talking about thunderbolts so i we might get some answers yeah but i think the implication of uh kate bishop finding that list of names in maya lopez's apartment it suggests that yelena is working with maya or maybe has like uh made a deal with her or something like that they have something in common but remember yelena knows that clint barton is the Ronin based off of that photo that Val showed her. So Maya may already know that information now too. And that's why Maya has that list. Yelena just told her, she showed her that photo. Look, the hood is down, but this is the Ronin costume. And so now Maya is like, all right, I'm going to find every possible way I can get at Clint Barton, find all of his vulnerabilities. That was interesting. They had the ages of the first two kids, but not the age of Nate. Uh, yeah, which I just thought was interesting. Like she, so like she's still maybe that data was info. pre, um, you know, pre Nate's birth, and like they they knew about his first two kids, but they didn't know about uh, Nathaniel. That's really. Interesting. Do you think that information was derived from the watch or given to Maya from Yelena? Did Yelena write that list or Maya? I have to assume Maya wrote that list, right? Because um, I think Maya wrote the list, but she got the information from somebody else who may have known Clint before. Um, his son, his last son's birth. Um, so just someone that he that he just from his past that him maybe him and Laura knew before um, Nathaniel's birth um, from their past. Mm-hmm. They strike me as a group of people who don't have a lot of family friends. Like, yeah, <laughs> but I, I had just I just had this weird feeling that like uh, Clint and his wife were spies together, and they probably have another spy friend that they worked with at some point, like at, at least one person. Natasha, and he, maybe? And he's like giving up this, spilling the beans because he doesn't like them anymore. It's like, yeah, here's Clint's family. F- I don't <laughs> know. Okay. I, I think we if bet. they got it from anyone, they just got it from Yelena. I think that's the easiest uh, approach there. But I, I'm i just uh, not really sure if, if Maya already knows that Clint is the Ronin. It's just interesting the way this show is like withholding secrets from other characters, but then just mm. seems to let that information just fizzle out as opposed to like making that a big revelation that's that's mm-hmm. the best thing in storytelling when char- when the audience knows more than certain characters do um yeah. so that way you can use that as a wedge point of conflict so that's why i wasn't uh, i was surprised i'll say when laura barton just kind of spilled someone behind the scenes off screen uh told her that jack duquesne is the ceo of sloan limited like that's information that you can use to like twist things but maybe they just decided, like, the audience at this point fully knows that Jack Duquesne uh, is bad news. <laughs> but that actually makes me want to ask you, MT, next question, is Jack Duquesne full of jack shit? Because what's <laughs> going on with this guy? What's going on with this guy? Why did he want the Ronin sword so badly? Uh, did he actually kill Armand? Mm. And could he actually just be a nice guy red herring? I think he, I think 
ultimately he is still going to be uh, a bad guy. He's just not going to be the ultimate bad guy. I don't think so. I think that Jack Duquesne is literally going to be um, a Marvel hero. This is what they're setting up. He's he's basically the the Elena of this show. Um, He's like, hey, I'm here. Um, You're going to see me do some cool stuff. And then uh, I'm just going to leave with my swords by the end of this. And like, I'll, you'll, I'll pop up somewhere else. I just think that he's just like this really adorable guy. And like, we see that Kate's starting to like him more as a person um, as she gets to know him. Eventually, she's going to find out that her mom's a terrible person. And so um, she's going to, you know, at the end of this, she's probably going to hate her mom and sort of like Jack more. Because, uh, like, Jack's just a, he's just a really like, eccentric guy. He's just like, all right, I just want to have fun and collect swords. So I don't think that he's an evil person. I think that he's probably tied to things that he doesn't fully understand because he's just a sword guy. Um, well, I'm, I got to be honest with you. I don't think Jack Duquesne has been a particularly well-written character on this show. Mm. Um, we're getting real. We're spilling the tea now. I like Tony <laughs> Dalton. Overall, I think the writing on the show has actually been pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think right now they're clearly setting something up. But if they're trying to hide something about Jack Duquesne, they're doing a very poor job hiding it. But if they're trying to make him a more fun you know, knives out, wear his villainy on his sleeves, mystery character. He's not that entertaining either. Tony Dalton is fascinating to watch in shows like Better Call Saul. That guy knows mm. how to do so much with so little dialogue. But they invented this goofy sub game for him where he mispronounces certain aphorisms, which feels like vaguely problematic, right? Yeah, I'm not going to get mm. into that. But it's like <laughs> just problematic from a character development standpoint. Like it just makes him into like... a a Pickles cartoon comic strip character. Um, mm. And if I, I, I look at him the way um, Sharon Carter was written in Falcon Winter Soldier, and we had all these different theories. Everyone has like a different take on Jack Duquesne. Like, oh, is he actually a spy working for the government who is going to arrest Eleanor at the end of this? Is mm. he actually a bad guy? Is he actually, is he uncle? And I think ultimately we have to learn our lessons from the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and the clues that the show is giving us, let's just for now interpret them the way the show is giving it to us, that he clearly is meant to be suspected. But mm. like they have said explicitly that he works for a big guy. There is still someone at the top of all this who is not Jack Duquesne. I don't think Jack Duquesne was uh, was another Ronin identity. I liked that theory last week. After this week, I don't think that's the case. Uh, I, I don't want to go to, I think the answer, the reason why everyone has their own pocket theory for Jack Duquesne is because he is not being well written on this show. And it's, he's kind of a mess of a character. Um, I might change my tune next week, but these first four episodes, he has been all over the place. And I want to make something clear with all mystery shows, you are supposed to be withheld information. You're not supposed Mm. to know everything about a character, about their intentions. That's what makes mysteries fun. But right now there is a distinction between mystery and confusion. And I think there's straight up confusion about what what we're supposed to feel when Jack is on screen. I thought mm. it was so weird how Kate suddenly uh, flipped her opinion on Jack just based off of this creepy thing of them dancing in a room while he's singing. Like, you are willing to overlook everything that you know and suspect about this guy. And just because your mom laughs, that's enough for you? And then in the next scene, Clint says, oh, actually, no, he is the CEO of Sloan Limited. This guy's corrupt. It seems even like Haley Steinfeld is confused how to interpret that information, (laughs) the way it's delivered. So I just think this character's all over the map. I'm not crazy about the way the character's been written, and I'm not going to get lured into crazy rabbit hole fan theories about Jack Duquesne. I'm just going to watch I am on the opposite train here. I love Jack. I think that Jack, they're setting him up to be this really adorable character. 
Um, but yeah, at this point, you know, he is sort of confusing in terms of his um, intention, like what, what's really going on with Jack and how he's being written. But I think that by the end of the series, hopefully anyway, there'll be a payoff to like as to why um, he was presented that way. But like, I, I honestly feel like Jack has a lot of potential in the MCU. <laughs> I I hope you're right. I'll say that, <laughs> I hope you're right. Let this be a capsule. And for all of you uh, watching right now who may be like, why is Eric being too hard on the show? Look, this is just how we interpret shows. We're allowed to have like uh, frustration moment to moment throughout the show. I'm not going to write off this whole show. I'm loving this whole show right now. I'm just saying certain characters can frustrate me at certain times. And I think it is right on us to hold them to a higher standard of scrutiny um, because that's how we appreciate when these shows are good. Anyway, I wanted to ask you, I think a very interesting moment into this episode mm. was uh, when Kate decided to not shoot Yelena just based off of Yelena shaking her head. Mm. What do you think that was about? Well, uh, I think the real answer is uh, Kate just knew Yelena was about that life. And uh, she just didn't <laughs> uh, want to test that. Uh, no, um, I think this all has to do with Kate not really being... Uh, prepared for the hero life because you know obviously you know she did all that you know crazy stuff with the tracksuits and all that stuff um but when it's she she had the choice to kill yelena like headshot or try anyway and she was just like i don't know if i can and like this is sort of what clint was sort of getting at um in this episode it's like this life is not for you and like obviously he's motivated by eleanor's comments to leave her out of it um but i just think that She's going to see the the more gruesome parts of being a hero, um, the the more Ronin-y type parts that you know Clint wants her to stay away from and just be a kid. Um, so I think that could be Kate's motivations there. But how about you? What do you see, think? See, I think she was in that moment trying to learn from Clint when he said the most important shot he ever took was the one he didn't take, ah. and he she saw her Black Widow potential uh, partner and friend in that moment. She good, saw good, like good. a connection. There was that moment where Florence Pugh did such a good job. I think just non-verbally saying. This isn't worth it. There's mm. something more here. She kind of represented a mystery box to Kate Bishop, exactly. and she wanted to learn more before she just killed this person. There clearly is an important story here, um, and I think she wanted to hear her out and give her a chance. Clint said there was just something in Natasha that he saw she wants out of this, and I think I think Kate saw the same thing in Yelena in that moment. I thought it was a pretty beautiful moment where Kate kind of became the Hawkeye that she thinks Clint wants her to be. Oh yeah, no, that's that's a spot on analysis of that moment um, because like uh, you just a perfect reference to what he said before because um, Kate's going to be the new Hawkeye and Yelena's going to be the new Black Widow. That's sort of what they're setting up here. It's like I'm going to not take the shot too because we're the legacy characters. We're taking over and like right. we got to do the same thing symbolically. All right. As we look ahead to episode five, we have been told that episode five is going to be a game changer. So, I think we need to be on Kingpin Watch. Are we for sure going to see Vincent D'Onofrio, Wilson Fisk show up in Hawkeye next episode, MT? Nope, because uh, it's going to be the aerospace engineer. I cannot wait to see them once again. <laughs> They're running the whole show. It's going to be amazing to see this amazing review. It's going to be the aerospace engineer and Paul Bettany uh, work <laughs> and Paul Bettany's white vision just working together. Uh, <laughs> what a weird that. moment in WandaVision that was. They said, like, I know an aerospace engineer. And it was just like her uh, Air Force friend in the woods. Right, and, like, the cinematography when she teased it was like, oh, this is going to be a big deal. But then it was like, all right, just some, yeah. just some girl. I'm like, all right. Cool, thanks for the van, I guess. Uh, but no, um, I think that Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin is for sure going to at least be 
teased or referenced. He's going to probably show up at the end like, it's me, it's Kingpin. I'll see you in episode six. So yeah, if he's not in this, I'd be very shocked. I agree. I think there was some confusion this episode where Clint was talking to Laura and she was like, so um, yeah, he's running Sloan Limited. He's the head of it. And he goes, Jack's CEO. So he's laundering money for the big guy. And I think the he of that sentence was confusing. Is he talking about Laura's source? Or is he talking about Jack laundering money for a big guy over him? I think the latter is the case. I think Jack is the one who's laundering money for some mm. other big guy. And later, Clint tells Kazi, you know what Maya's boss wants. You know what he's done to get it. He doesn't like this attention, that's for sure. I think he just would use the term Jack if, like... He was trying to get, I think clearly there's some kind of unnamed boss as of yet. Oh, yeah. uh, and I think that's who's going to get revealed. Um, I mean, it's very clearly Vincent D'Onofrio's chuckle last episode. Uh, the fact that he was wearing this fine suit, the fact that his footsteps were heavy. I don't think it's that crazy to expect to see Kingpin show up in Hawkeye. Uh, but if you didn't know any of these clues, uh, I still would say watching this episode, just as a casual viewer, you wouldn't sense that this is going to be a show where Kingpin shows up in. Like, you have to kind of know what the comics are about. This yeah. does Like, we didn't see the tracksuits other than Kazi this episode. Yeah. Uh, and I guess other than Maya. But, like, the show kind of, this episode took a step away from the organized crime element of it. You learned more about Sloan Limited. But there was, like, it was more about Clint and... Uh, and Kate's Christmas relationship. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's why the episode was called Partners, am I right? <laughs> but I think the reason this may have felt like a bit of a filler episode to some viewers is I think they are kind of timing this out and pacing it so that the week where we find out whoever Uncle is is going to be the week where Spider-Man No Way Home drops. And we just mm. learned that, you know, Charlie Cox is confirmed to be Daredevil at some point in the MCU, but I think that tells us we might see a Charlie Cox, Matt Murdock, and Spider-Man No Way Home. Sure. And if he is in the universe, potentially everyone from the Defenders side of the universe can now be in the main MCU. And mm. the other big player, other than you know, arguably uh, Jessica Jones, John Bernthal as, uh, as Punisher, Frank Castle, Luke Cage, really uh, D'Onofrio as Kingpin is the, the next most recognizable character after Charlie Cox's Daredevil, uh, or at least the most recognizable villain. And uh, Turk Barrett, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> of course, how could I forget? Um, so, yeah, I think that's what we can expect. There was even talk that we might see a new No Way Home trailer on uh, the 15th, which oh, would geez. be the day before the release in the U.S., the day of the release in the U.K., which I think would be so weird. Why would we see, why would we see a No Way Home trailer that day unless yeah. it is going to reveal some information that comes out on the Hawkeye episode 5 that comes out on the 15th? I, I'm probably thinking too hard about that. No, uh, like, and I, just, I don't think that you're thinking too hard about this at all because, like, it makes sense. The timing is a little bit too suspicious. Um, yeah. For because we do have these Daredevil elements in Hawkeye, and we have those Daredevil elements rumored for Spider-Man. It would be weird and like very um, just silly of Marvel to not take advantage of these two things and like line them up perfectly. So I think you're exactly right on the money there. I think we're gonna get a huge Daredevil week next week with um, you know Hawkeye and Spider-Man. And like that diner scene so. um, that was rumored, it's probably Daredevil. Like I think you said it in the past episode. Like you uh, brought that oh, up, and yeah, I was like, the, "Oh the my god, the you're table. probably yeah. right." Uh, so yeah. yeah, I think the, as as we learned more and more so far, it, we're probably gonna see Daredevil talking to Spider Man in that diner. Well, we will see. That is it for this episode of Inside Marvel. We're gonna be back next week with our reaction to the world breaking 
episode five. Uh, and <laughs> Aerospace Engineer. I just I want to let everyone know I'm still really really loving Hawkeye. I, I have gripes about little components of it, but who knows how I'll feel next week and after episode six. But this is just how we are working through the show. We don't always get every uh, part of the journey as we're on the journey, but at the end of the journey we can look back and truly assess it. So uh, don't get on me for being hard on this show. We should all be hard on everything that we watch and have hards on for everything we watch. Hards on? <laughs> Blue general? What the hell am I saying? <laughs> anyway, uh, well, don't forget to check out our many great merch options at NewRockStarsMerch.com. Follow me at EA Voss. Follow MT at Mastertainment. Follow New Rockstars. Subscribe to Inside Marvel wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for watching. We're going to close with our favorite moment this episode. Oh, <laughs> my